I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Barry Worthington. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. And to be honest with you, I'm feeling a little bit excited, even though we've come off a defeat against Sheffield United. I think it was a very, well, the second half at least was was a very positive defeat. How are we feeling about that? I'm feeling good. I think that, like you say, the second half was much better than the first. I was worried, to be honest, after, you know, we go 1-0 down and then Jack Watmore gets injured. And I think, oh, it's going to be a battering today. But then the substitutions, I think, worked really well. Second half was one of the best we've played in a long time. And I think it gives Tory a bit of a, a headache now choosing the lineup for the next game. That first half, I was making jokes about leaving early because I never do and I never have. Even during Warren Joyce, I didn't leave early. We just looked like we were going to get an absolute shellacking, didn't we, in that first half with a pinging ball, a pinball in the box. But like you say, second half really picked up and you came off, off the back of a defeat, but optimistic. And, and thinking, actually, we, we might move in a decent direction here. And that's all you ever want as a football supporter. It is indeed, but there's a game of two halves and we, we're going to look at both halves independently. So I think we'll start off with the first half. Well, Keane had a chance early doors again. Similar to the game away at Millwall, where we have one after 30 seconds, probably 90 seconds this time, two minutes-ish. Lovely move inside by Keane It's just opened up in front of him. And I bet he must he was probably disappointed with his with his effort at the end because it, it, it went sky high wide and answered, didn't it? I, I mean we did we did start quite brightly, first five minutes and then boom. <laughs> For the first Wilkeen chance, I think the person who really created that was Joe Bennett. He drove it from a sort of left back position and he battled the whole way up the field and eventually found Keane. So I think Bennett deserves a lot of praise for for that, but now Keane would have hoped to have hit the target at least. I'll tell you what, I can tell why Sheffield United are so, doing so well this season, and especially away from home. That pressing they were doing was fantastic. It was aggressive. It, it was really tigerish, not letting us settle. I was a little bit <laughs> bit concerned because we seemed to be trying to take take on with our, our, back, our defenders. We're trying, trying to take them on. But the goal, I thought, it didn't come... I'll not say it came against a run of play, but I think at that particular time, seven minutes in, the game was pretty pretty even. And I'm really disappointed with a, one person in particular. Uh, and, and for me, he's, he's, uh, he's Mr. Perfect, Jack Watmore. But my goodness, he, he lost his player, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that Egan played that very well. He started at the back post with Watmore. And when he was running, he was keeping his left shoulder to every other player in that box. So there was no way that Watmore could run with him, and he knew that. And by the time that Egan had already got to Will Keane, Keenan hadn't seen him coming. But it was pretty much an unmarked free header. It was a good header as well, weren't it? It was, it was powerful. It was on target. And I don't think Jonesy had, had much chance, really. I wouldn't blame Jonesy at all. Who I thought had another good game, if I'm being honest. Yeah, he it, it, it did all right. I don't think it... You, you don't look at him and, and blame him for the goals, do you? you? don't look at anything he did wrong. He stops it being a cricket score at one point. So, yeah, fair play to him. I think once they took the lead, I think we looked a little bit shell-shocked. We started going into, into panic stations, didn't we, a little bit, especially at the back. Jack Watmore got injured at the same time as Curtis Tilt, and you're thinking, my goodness, two centre-halves are going to end up having to go off here. But they didn't. Tilty remained on. Uh, we lost Watmore, and Reg came on. 
And I, I thought he did well also when he came, came on. I think it was very tricky. We were, I don't think we looked at all comfortable at the back, trying to play the ball out with the players that we had playing there. I don't want to point the finger too much, but I thought Ten Diederico last night, I, I don't think he covered himself in any sort of glory whatsoever. There was one moment in the first half where I don't know who was trying to do it at the back. He, Jones did knock the ball to him and it, he was so hesitant on it. And, and you know, we, we got into a lot of trouble off, off that, if you remember it. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do. It's a, it's a confidence thing. You're, you're trying to play to instructions. Instructions being play out from the back when actually what you want to do is stick your foot through it and clear it. Yeah, I think and, it's more of an ability, sticks, thing, more of an no, ability stick, thing than a confidence it sticks thing. You in, it sticks you in two minds. It sticks you in two minds. And, you know, you've already praised the Sheffield United press. That's not going to help. There, there will be games. I mean, assuming that Niambi doesn't come in and replace him, which I think he probably will, but assuming he gets game time later on in the season, there'll be games where he does that with much more confidence and doesn't look half what he looked last night. They will. You can shake your head. There will be. <laughs> the trouble with Ted Dyerico for me is crackers. And you never know what he's going to do one moment to the next. And I think that's his big problem. And and he is. He's daft as a brush. Gets on that ball. And especially when he's got time to think about things. I don't think he's very good like that. He's more reactive than... I played yeah. that brilliant ball down the right for Lange at one point in the first half. Well, that's one thing. He's a defender, though, isn't he? You know, that's one thing he's, he did. He was awful last night. We've got to say it. We, we've never slagged players off on this podcast, but last well, night... I mean, he, he, he cost a second goal, didn't he, by giving the ball away midfield? We'll come to that behind second, Max Power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there were there were other occasions when... So we're, we're moving away from Tendai directly, but because there were other occasions where the defenders got themselves into trouble trying to bring the ball out. Yeah, and I, I do think that under Torre, this playing the ball out from the back is going to work at some point. But to try and do it against Sheffield United is always going to be hard. You know, I think they've now got the best away form in the league with seven seven wins. And they didn't need the ball to be able to look really, really good. Like They pressed very well. They moved around the field very well. So they were just cutting pass, passing lanes for us. And to try and play out from the back when you're just having all these passing lanes caught is always going to be difficult. But like you say, it wasn't wasn't the best performance from some players. And I think that eventually it will work, but just not not much last night. Billy Sharp, I mean, he's evergreen Billy Sharp, isn't he? I, don't, I have no idea how old he's, 35, 36 he must be. But he still plays. He's played for his boyhood club. He still plays like a fan. He plays with his ass on his sleeve. And I thought it, him and Tilt had a really good battle last night together. And it was good to watch. And they were both getting annoyed with each other. And, and I, that was something enjoyable that came out of it. And that Undaya as well. The first time I'd seen him play last night, he looks a real talent. Oh, he's a menace. He was causing problems all afternoon. And I don't even think he was in like top form last night. He was, to, to me, it seemed like he was walking around the field quite a lot. And then he'd, he'd run around with the ball a bit. But he didn't seem to be firing on all cylinders like... When I was doing the, the match preview and I was talking to um, a Sheffield United podcast, they were talking about how good he is. And then when you actually see him live, you can see the player that he probably is week in, week out, and you can see why he went to the World Cup. It just Last night it wasn't his game, but he still ended up getting an assist. Somehow we managed to get to half-time just, just to goal down. And you know yourself, no matter when you're crucifying teams, you know, and, you, and it's just 1-0. You, you know, you're in danger of getting bit on the bum. So we had that, we, we had that sort of, that chink of light, didn't we, that we, we wanted to, you know, turn to our advantage. The change you made at our Sam, although I thought Tom Naylor was quite unfortunate to get taken off because I thought Tom Naylor had a good good 
first half. But Jordan Cousins did make a big difference in the way we were playing, the way we started to to bring the ball out. I mean, I said earlier on in the season, I think we'll finish with a midfielder, Cousins and Shinny. Yeah, I did. I did. You can shake your head again, but I did. I'm not shaking my head at that. I'm shaking my head at, I don't think, well, it's all right. I'm not saying. Yeah. It was just an altogether better performance all round, wasn't it? You, you start winning your midfield battles and, and, and suddenly the game changes. Do you think it's getting to a point where we just try a game starting with Cousins and Chinny? Or do we keep with Power in the squad or Naylor in the squad and pair them either with a, a Cousins or a Shinny? Uh, personally, I, I'm, I do get the euphoria for Shinny, but I don't get it either. You know, so I'm sort of torn with it. I mean, that sounds a bit like nonsensical, but... He is a good player. He's good on the ball, but I don't want to start knocking players, and I don't want to start upsetting supporters because he's like he's like this. The more he does up play, the better he gets. If you know what I mean. And we've seen him play. He played in one game. He came on. He gave the ball away, and a minute later, he gave a penalty away. You know what I mean? So he, he is susceptible to to doing stuff like that. Have we won why he started a game? I don't think we have. Have we? It's no coincidence that Liam Richardson had him sat on the bench. And Colo Turi's now going to sit on the bench. Is Graham Shinney a particular type of player that suits a particular style of play that we don't play? There must be something there. He's a great player. I love him. I do love him. And he's a big character. And he's a funny guy and he's a lovely man. We've had him on, on the podcast. He's, he's brilliant. But I don't know. Sometimes you, you think the less they play, the better they get, if you know what I mean, in the in the man in the fans' mind's eye. And and when he's when he's playing, they're voting for him to be Man of the match, whether he is the best player on the pitch or not, it doesn't matter. He still gets the votes. And I think to look at it objectively, it's um, it's quite difficult. Where we have scapegoats is <laughs> the opposite, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like we've had during the years we've had Gomez, we've had Naismith. I think Power's turning into that at the moment with what I'm hearing at the back of me. But always have these uh, scapegoats. But we've got a player there who, who can do no wrong and he's, he's not kicked a ball for, for quite a while, has he? From, well, when was the last start he made? Did he play against Blackpool or did he come off as a, a sub? Come on, come on. Uh, no, he didn't start. He didn't start he didn't against start. Blackpool. I can't remember. I can't remember. It no, was I before Luton. Put... It was before we went to Luton. He's not He's not started a game since Luton. Because he was he was breaking into coming in in the second, like coming on in second half of most games, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I'm going to get ridiculed now answer for uh <laughs> but i'm not i'm not knocking him at all i've got to say this i am not knocking him but i i, I do see why he doesn't start ahead of power oh power's, yeah well, I, power's got he's got the yeah. strength got and the, more bike yeah and he's got the dead yeah. ball kicks as well and yeah. he's, he's, he's yeah. that's his role in the team and i don't think power had the best game last night if i'm being honest i don't think he for himself he didn't have the best game, but but Jordan Cousins, when he came on, he was superb. He really was. He sat in front of that that back four, didn't he? And just it was like a quarterback. He was running that game. Mm. Mm, that didn't sound very convincing. That mm. no, no, I was like, yeah, I was, uh, I, I'm, mean, yeah, I agree. I can't, can't, can't argue. No. Well, Cousins is is one of two players that Torre mentioned at the end, wasn't he, in his post match uh, interview? I think he mentioned Tello Asgard, and then he mentioned Jordan Cousins as the the positive influences on that second half. So I liked Cousins when he came on. I thought I thought he drove forward really well. And I think it was two minutes after he'd just come on. He made a big tackle and a clearance at the in our box as well. So he, he definitely got straight into the game. We went 2-0 down with him on, on the pitch, didn't we? He came on at half-time and, and we found ourselves 2-0 down 10 minutes later, more or less. I don't, I don't know why you're kind of going there because, you know, as we alluded to earlier, 
the defender gave it away to their forward. So it's, you know, it yeah, kind well, of cut the midfield out, didn't it? Yeah, no, no. What I'm doing is I'm just I'm just trying to get it into context of <laughs> where that goal come from. It was 10 minutes in. We've been playing. I thought we'd start the second half. Not too bad. We've broken a tackle up in our box. Played a ball out to the right-hand side. And like you said, the defender then plays the ball inside behind behind Max Power as Max Power's moving forward and then starts shouting at, <laughs> at Max Power for not, for not you know, getting... It was a, an horrendous pass. A great finish from, from Billy Sharp. And, and then there was finger-pointing all over the place. But I think we all know whose fault <laughs> that goal was. Pat- Somebody else have a go at him apart from me. Come on. I, I mean, no, I, I mean... Passing behind a player who's moving forward is criminal anyway. Never mind when it's out of his reach and the the opposition's going to nip in and steal it. You know, even if you're sort of playing it out to the wing, if if the guy has to retreat backwards to retrieve the ball, any sort of momentum's gone. So it's it's like a criminal offence to me. But, and doing it where you did it last... I mean, it was just... (laughs) You thought again at that point, here comes the cricket score, don't you? Because you've just opened them up and their heads could have dropped and absolute credit that they didn't it was just com- it was completely avoidable and it's one of them yeah. big unforced errors you know Jones threw it out to Dariqua who he had what 10 yards 12 yards from anybody near him then tries to play it to power and you could see how much power was like what's this he went so <laughs> went down to the ground but then Billy Sharp you can probably say he's one of the best strikers at this, this level of the century and the amount of goals he's got and then he's trying to run in and Romani Edmonds Green gave him two yards, but you don't want to make them challenges in the box. But again, you've just got to get a little bit closer and just make it a bit more difficult. But Billy Sharp's just, he's finished that goal you know, a hundred times over before. He knows how he knows where that area of the goal is. So it's not the play that you want it to fall to. He took it well and we're 2-0 down. And then within five minutes, both our fullbacks are whipped off. It's a great cheers from the crowd, to be honest. And, and then... It was sort of a bit of a reshuffle, wasn't it, with James McLean dropping to left-back, Telavazgar coming on, playing on the left side of midfield, and then Ryan Niambe, who, for all intents and purposes, was supposed to be out for another couple of weeks, yeah, but he came. I think you could tell he was a bit rusty, but I thought he did uh, he, he did play well when he came on strong. Unlike where Paul said, that possibility that our heads could have gone all together, it sort of was the opposite, weren't it? And I think Tello had a, a really good impact Almost immediately when he came on, he brought with the ball. I think that gave us that little spark then. Do you think it was a penalty, the shot that he had? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a great save. I mean, from where I was sat in the East Stand, <laughs> it looked like a great save. You could see twisted his body. Yeah, yeah all, the, all the replays that I saw, when they kept showing it on the on the telly, all the, all the replays they saw, he definitely hit his arm. But also when you look at where the referee is, it was directly in line with, was it Kieran Clark who made the save? So it's directly in line no, with Jack, uh, George Baldock. Was it George Baldock? Yeah. So the, the ball that got shot, he couldn't, the ref couldn't see his arm, but then obviously there's no VAR. You're going to have to rely on the linesman, but obviously he can't see it either. So Yeah, but you, you don't need to see an arm if the ball's far enough away from the body and it's something. You know it's got to be an arm, doesn't it? Hasn't it? Yeah, to me, it looked, it looked as soon yeah. as he, it happened live, I, I said that's, a, that's yeah. a penalty, that. But, you know, the ref didn't give it and there's a, there a couple of things he didn't give, but... The assistant was brilliant, apart from the fact he didn't give the penalty, because he never flagged Lang offside once, and he was offside <laughs> three or four times. And, and Broadhead was offside for the goal as well. I mean, we were laughing where we were sat, you know, because you could see right across the line, 
Bang was a yard in front of the play. I mean, I think uh, Eckingbottom was going mad at, at a couple of the decisions where, where he just got through. There was one where we, we really should have got a corner. He ended up giving us as a dead ball. But then he was a, he, he must have been three or four feet you know, offside and, and he let it go. And then they showed the uh, the goal on the big screen. <laughs> you could see Broadhead stood there as McLean's hitting the ball. And you're thinking, oh, what, why did they put that on? But there you we go. did that once before, didn't we? And the ref joked it off. Yeah, that I'm sure. Was, we've, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Was, that, yeah, was that against Reading? I don't know. Probably not Reading because my memory for that sort of thing is rubbish. But we've we've done that before where it was on the big screen, and then the ref changed his mind. Yeah, because all the players run across and pointed yeah. up to the screen. Yeah, but um, I think the ref didn't give the penalty because he, he was leveling it up for not sending Tilty off <laughs> with that lunge. <laughs> well, that did that not come after? I mean, that was a great, great lunge. No, that was first half, weren't it? Right at the end of the yeah. first half. We've we've gone past that part. We've left that behind. <laughs> we've moved on. Looking at the, the bench last night, I, I thought he used the bench quite well. I mean, what was up with McGuinness? He weren't on the bench, was he? No McGuinness at all. He was in Nando's with uh, Edwards. What was <laughs> before, that? Yeah, before the game, people were sending in tweets saying that he's in sat in Nando's with, uh, with Edwards. I think Paul Kendrick uh, retweeted it. Right, right. Well, I mean, on the bench was Amos, Edmonds, Green, Shane, Niambe. Fletcher cousins and Asgard, but I, I thought he used it quite well. And then he, when he brought when he brought Fletcher on, you know, with uh, about ten minutes to go plus plus stoppage time, he was just hoping that he'd get at least a chance, wouldn't you? That he could get a chance to 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 pull that equaliser back. And he did have a chance, but it was a was it a great challenge or was it a bad mess? You know, do what I mean at the near post when Langy knocked that ball across. I think it was a good bit of defending there from from Sheffield. You know they know when that they know where the ball's going to start coming in, and power. I think he, he completed one one of his crosses. What again? It only takes that one little chance to to get Fletcher in, but Fletcher's getting in that right position. So if we do play him more, I think eventually he will get it will get his goal. What did you make of uh, Broadhead's take on on his goal? I mean, left foot, right foot. Once it was one of those composure is the word there, isn't it? Because it would have been so easy just to crack it, but he moved it away from the keeper, so he could put it to the side of the keeper, and composure is the word. Swift thinking and swift feet. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Will Keane, the way he shuffles about yeah. in the box, you know, sometimes, and, and quick feet. But yeah, somebody's had a go to me about Will Keane today, saying, how does he get in the team? Well, I don't think he watched any of that game last night, if he wondered how <laughs> Will Keane gets in the team. I think we'd be knackered without him. The stats from the game, I think it's beginning to show a little bit now. Sixty-five percent possession for the last six. I know, I know, Sheffield United are perhaps a side that you know they're not too bothered about having the ball. They can they hunt it down and, and strike. But still, it was a good possession count that one. We both had ten attempts each, three on target for us, six for Sheffield United. Corners we had eight, they had four fouls. We committed ten. Sheffield United thirteen. One yellow card for for the Lassics. Mr. Tilt and Sheffield United picked three up. The attendance was 11,556 with, I'd say, about 2,500 coming from Sheffield. So, all in all, it was on TV. It's right Christmas week. It was a Monday night. The weather was poor. Not too bad too bad attendance at all for, for Wigan Athletic. No, I think that's a decent away end boosts it, doesn't it? Right, performances last night. Uh, I, I picked out Lankeen. Asgard when he came on, Cousins, Tilty as well. 
Or Jones. Yeah. I thought Jones played well. But Tilty's got... I think it's more than just his play. It's his presence, isn't it? For, for me, anyway, it's his presence. He, he has this big presence. And he were winding those two strikers up all through the game. And like I, I mentioned before about Billy Sharp, but Ilian Man Undai as well, he was having some run-ins with him. So I think it's good to watch. Who still wrote it for you two? Uh, well, Langey, more, more than anybody. Uh, I think he, he still gets a rough ride from the referees. Um, there was one where he was trying to break from our box in, in front of us and somebody's stuck the round round and holding back by his head, bit bit Chiellini-esque from the uh, Euros. And, no, nothing given at all. It's just like, he just gets mauled and gets out, so. Nathan Broadhead, for me, I think. Mm. I always yeah. have my worries when, you know, you've got a smaller striker up top, especially against Sheffield United's back line. Like, they are tall strikers. I think Ahmed Hodzic is six foot three himself. So, I was a little bit worried going into it that Broadhead would have no chances, but he's still getting in there and he, he didn't really have that many touches. But what he does well is he'll run to the right or to the left to create space for other players to get in, which makes it easier for then Callum Lang to burst forward and get to the byline like he likes to. He's playing a few one-twos with, with Callum Lang. So, I think Broadhead was, was really good and obviously got the goal, like you said, composed. So, for him... Well, for me, that's uh, the one who was one of the best. You substituted him twice in, in the two games since Cole Osuri has been in. But I'm wondering if that's on the advice of Rob Kelly because we know he's had injury problems, and so we have to we have to manage him through games and we don't want him being out for any length of time. What do you think? think it is a bit of that going on? I think it's, it's natural to replace your forward line halfway through a game, isn't it? Just to bring in fresh legs. I think especially um, with Charlie White out injured. I think you're going to yeah. have to start you know, thinking... Broadhead's had all this injury concern in the past. You don't want him to play a full 90 at, at risk, especially against the physical side like Sheffield United. So I think, you know, got his goal, give it to somebody else and, and let them have a bit of a run and just protect him. Yeah, right. protect him. Give some, give the defence something else to think about. It's, um, it's, it's not, you know, it should be a team that doesn't change a forward on 60 minutes, 70 minutes. It's... Uh, it's pretty much standard. Um, I did think that uh, after Tilty was lucky to stay on, him and Edmonds Green did a decent job because at, at that at the point where you're thinking Tilty's lucky to stay on, Watmo's already gone off injured. You're thinking, oh, what's happening to our defence? But I thought after that, they did a decent enough job between them. And talking about the substitutes, I mean, we mentioned before about about making them, but very positive, I thought, from Cole Ture. I think he's shown that he's not afraid to, to set people off. When was the last time we, we changed a player at half-time? For a tactical reason, not not through injury. Dragging both fullbacks off just after they scored, you know, and putting an offensive player on in, in Teller Asgard. And I also thought that the substitutes, especially Cousins and Asgard, were, were game changers as well. Yeah, I think yeah. they definitely were. I think that when we were under Liam Richardson, I don't want to criticise Liam Richardson all too much, but when it was getting to 80 minutes and we would only either made one sub or no subs at all, and you get into the point of the game thinking, what can anybody really do? But then Colatori and obviously Betsy and Jahal have come in and they seem to be, if you make so many mistakes, you're coming off that field. So I do like that change and I like that, you know, players can't keep affording to make a load of, of problems because they will come off and subs will come on in place of them. I think if you come on with 20 minutes to go, you come on with a, a mentality that you've got enough time to make a difference. Whereas if you come on with like five minutes to go, you think you're hoping that something drops in front of you, aren't you? Right, man of the match, voted for by our listeners on both Facebook and Twitter. Last six number nineteen, Callum Lang, an absolutely incredible game yesterday. It was superb, and you know he, he had a good game down at Millwall. He's played well again. Uh, let's hope that 
this new system is suiting Lange. And I've got to say apologies to him as well, because last week I said he doesn't play on the left because he's awful. And the game I was thinking about, where I remember him playing on the left, he actually scored against Lincoln City in uh, our administration season. If you remember, he scored a bit of a worldie where he picked it up and, and cut inside. And it's, it's a, a Sally Wanger into, into the top corner. So what do I know? Cole's comments again after the game. He talked about being brave once more. This is a word he likes to use. It was picking out the positives. Going forward, is there optimism? Do you like the style of play? And do you think you'll need to change some of the personnel? If if the back four don't give you a heart attack, then yeah, maybe there definitely is optimism. Because it always looks pretty, doesn't it? You're going to change personnel. They said last week at that forum there was money. Where do you spend it? That's the ultimate question where everybody's going to have a different opinion. Yeah, and I think it's important not to blow a game like Sheffield United out of proportion. We all, I think most of us said that, you know, we were coming into this game. I think a lot of us predicted 2-1. We got a 2-1, but we also got a very positive performance. So it's going to be Sheffield United and Burnley at the top. And we got beat by Burnley, what, 5-1 at the DW earlier in the season. We've been beaten by second place, 2-1. But then the good performances and the better performances are going to come against the, the games from now. So... I think there's a lot of optimism moving forward. I do like this style of play and it, it will work given the personnel that we've got. And I think that January we might see a few additions, a few changes. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. I agree. I agree with you both. I do think it is a good style of play. I am optimistic. In my view, I usually think the bottom three in the turn of the year usually ends up as the bottom three. But I don't think so this time. I, I still think all will get relegated. I, I was criticised for saying that at the start of the season, but and I think somebody will get dragged into it as well. Maybe Rotherham, they've lost a, a lot of form. I, I am optimistic. I do think we're going to end up lower, lower mid-table, probably 18th, fingers crossed anyway. Before we finish, just a quick mention, Roberto and Graham Barrow were there yesterday. Yeah, I saw that Roberto was there. Yeah. I also saw a picture of him in, in Curry's, I think. He's buying new TVs or something, so I don't know if he moved. <laughs> Back up to the area. Yeah, it's good, it's good to see him back into it. He's got a special place, place in our art, and obviously we've got a special place in, in his art. We'll be back before the end of the week with our Christmas special, and we've got a good edition lined up. Looking forward to uh, the Middlesbrough game. We've got Middlesbrough fan joining us. That's something for us all, us here to look forward to, and I hope our listeners as well. So I'm not going to wish anybody a Merry Christmas at this stage because there's still there's still five days to go. So until Friday, up the ticks, up the ticks, up the ticks. Come on. 